Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I am running for Congress in the 1st Congressional District. We need to get Americans back to work. We need to, to create jobs and get people working. We need to address the challenges that our, our families are facing in this incredible economic uh, crisis. There's no question that, having looked at the work of the Ron Foundation, that I was particularly excited about working in a place where I knew I could make a difference and get things done. And I think it's going to be especially challenging in Washington to get things done right now. Well, he's still a congressman as we tape today, but by the weekend, you're watching this, it'll be all behind Democrat David Cicilline moving on to other things. Holding the powerful accountable from Washington, D.C. to right here in southern New England. This is 10 News Conference with Gene Valicenti. I once again extend my deepest gratitude to the people of Rhode Island for giving me the greatest honor of my life, the opportunity to represent you for the past 12 years here in the Congress of the United States. May God bless you and protect you. Good morning, I'm Gene Valicenti. This is a special 10 News Conference final interview with Rhode Island Congressman David Cicilline joining me in studio. Well, congratulations. The hairline has stayed the same from what I could see in the, <laughs> I in don't the know. archive tape. I don't know. I look very young in that uh, first yeah. picture. A little grayer. Yes, definitely. A little less hair. Well, that's to be expected. You know, uh, it's going to be a while before we write your obituary. A, a long life ahead of you. But I think when we do, it might say something like fierce, liberal, partisan David Cicilline. Would that be fair to you? Absolutely. Would be. Uh, okay, good, because I was going to revise and say, well, staunch Democrat, but fierce liberal partisan. No, I think I'm, I'm a proud liberal. I don't I think yeah. I've ever hit that, and I've always fought for what I believed in, so I think that's a fair description. Um, you know, I think in the last few years it's been particularly important yeah. to contrast what we're fighting for as Democrats. Uh, to the alternative, but I think it's fair. Fierce liberal partisan. You're not I would, the, or maybe you're, you're, fierce liberal warrior. You know, well, maybe something less. You're not the fiercest because there's a whole new crew down yes. that makes you look like a moderate. Right. <laughs> I guess you're that's true. You're not the most liberal, right? And yeah. I don't even think you're the most partisan anymore. Yeah. I think there's a whole crew farther to the left that, that does business a different way than you do. Yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've been very clear in my progressive values, mm. but I've also found opportunities to work with colleagues on the other side of the aisle. Some of the most important work I did in the area of antitrust, yep. I did with Ken Buck, a very, very conservative Republican from Colorado. We don't agree on anything else, but we yep. found this one issue. Uh, I've done a lot of gun safety stuff with Fred Upton, another Republican right. from Michigan. So I've been able to find Republicans to work on specific issues to try to get things done. But really, I think really grabbed the spotlight. You've been there 20, what do you think? What do you count? 22 or 23 years? What do you count? I've been in elective office for 28 years. Okay. But I'm talking about in Congress. In Congress, 12. Tw 12. No, more than that. You, you were elected. It feels like more than that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you've been in Congress more than 12 years. No, I'm, now, I'm like in the 13th year right now. All right, third, yeah. I'm thinking uh, your total. Yeah, and then total, eight years yeah. as mayor, eight years in the right, state right. legislature. Right, right, all right, so uh, the math is correct on your end. It just it's, feels like I've been there longer because I did so much work. It's your math. <laughs> but over time, uh, 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 
you are not the most liberal. You are not the most progressive. You are not the, the fiercest. Uh, you may be a warrior, but uh, there's Ilan Omar, there's AOC, and they could all be ink, not you, and you're the senior man. Yeah, I mean, look, our caucus is very diverse. We have people who are on the very progressive far left of our party. We have people who are very conservative, like Henry Cuellar yeah. from Texas. So I think one of the kind of great strengths of our caucus is we have a lot of diversity of views on important issues, but I think we share a basic set of principles about protecting working families, helping people get into the middle class, an economic model that grows from the middle out. So I think there's a lot of shared views on things, but we have a lot of views in the Democratic caucus. All right, I'm going to get into your, where you're going in the future and what that's all about. But first, you're leaving with some unfinished business. You're not going to be able to vote on the deficit, uh, the deficit negotiations that are underway right now. Uh, yes, you'll be actually, gone before they raise the debt, the debt ceiling and all of that. No, I'll, I'm actually going down to Washington tonight, so I'll yeah. be able to vote tomorrow on the debt ceiling. So you think you'll be there in time? Oh, yeah, I'm going tonight, so I'll be there for so the So tomorrow, tomorrow you expect that vote? You don't expect to be delayed by the, by the fierce bickering that's expected? I don't expect it to be delayed, but um, I expect it will happen tomorrow. And you'll vote for the president's plan? I'm reviewing it right now. Uh, we just got the text, and so um, my right. staff and I are going through the text. I think, you know, my general impression, without having reviewed it with a yeah. lot of detail yet, is I would say I'm a lean yes, kind of based on it's not right. everything we want. It's a compromise, but... The idea of allowing a default in the United States, the harm would be so great that uh, absent right. uh, something uh, I'm likely to vote but for. But what are you hearing about the far left Republicans blocking this thing? They think McCarthy far, got rolled. You said far left. Far, I'm sorry, far, far right. right. Republicans blocking this thing. They think uh, McCarthy got rolled by the president. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, what we're hearing from the Republican conference is that the speaker has an expectation of delivering 150 votes from the Republican conference. Um, which should be enough, a couple with the Democrats who will support it to get it to the president. All right, so you're rushing. That'll be your final vote. Yes. Probably a yes vote as, yes. You're, as you're leaning. Uh, the next tranche of money for Ukraine, you won't be there for that, right? Would you, would you give Ukraine more money? Absolutely. I think one of the things that has been incredibly important uh, is the very strong bipartisan support for the country of Ukraine, understanding that they are not only fighting for their own democracy and their own freedom, but they are, you know, their activities are being watched by autocrats and thugs, dictators around the world who are trying to see the resolve, not only of America, but of our allies in this fight. And they are fighting to preserve democracy there, but also if we allow a thuggish dictator to redraw the lines of a country by force, no country is safe. So I hope yep. there will continue to be very strong bipartisan support until Ukraine is successful in expelling Russia from their Country. Would you concede that this is a proxy war? We're at war with Russia? No, I don't. Lindsey Graham over the weekend just said Russians are dying. That's money well spent. If that's not a proxy war, what is? No, I don't think it's a proxy war, but there is no question that as the Ukrainians defeat the Russians and debilitate their military mm -hmm. capability, that is in the interest of the United States and the free world. So they're doing the hard work of the NATO allies, yeah. but they're doing it to defend their own country and to stop the savage, inhumane war crimes that are killing Ukrainians. So we're beneficiaries of their hard work, which is why so long as they're willing to fight yeah. and give their lives and blood to defend their own country, we ought to support them in every way we so can. So if I say, here's a gun, go shoot them, that's not a proxy war? Isn't that what we're doing? Here's no, a we're gun, not saying, shoot we're them. not telling them to. They, oh, no, no, what, what do we give them the jets no, for? We're telling them to go, is go a, to Russians. This is a country fighting to defend its territorial sovereignty. Yeah. And we are saying we stand with you because we will not allow a thuggish dictator to redraw the lines of a mm -hmm. country by force. If, he, if Putin can do that in Ukraine, 
Nobody in Europe is safe, and ultimately the American democracy is not safe because the Chinese are watching. They're seeing how we behave and how we remain committed to this fight as they think about future action in Taiwan. I think many other kind of dictators who are thinking, what can they do, what can they get away with, are watching to see the resolve of the international community to stand up against Putin. And we've got to understand, this is not just the Ukrainians' fight. It's the democracy-loving people around the world who recognize what's at stake in this fight. Congressman Cicilline with us on his final 10 News Conference interview. As a congressman, he may be back in his next role. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Thank you for turning to 10, your news leader. 10 News Conference with Gene Valicenti continues right now. When Congressman Kennedy announced that he wasn't running, I saw this as an opportunity, not for me, but an opportunity to bring the message to Washington of what real people need, what hardworking middle-class families are enduring in this country. They need someone in Congress who's going to fight to create jobs, who's going to fight for health care, comprehensive health care reform, who's going to fight to improve public education. That's uh, my colleague Bill Rapley there, so that's how far back we go over here. We kept the tapes, Congressman. Yeah, I see that. Uh, yeah. uh, we're going through a list of things you're going to leave unfinished. I don't want to dwell too much on this, because I want to get to what's ahead uh, and, and talk a little more about your legacy, what, what you did do. Uh, but you think you'll be able to vote on the, uh, the deficit ceiling. You'll think tomorrow, uh, unless, it's not, unless it's blocked by Republicans, you expect to vote. Uh, you'll vote, you would, if you were there, vote for more money for Ukraine. Unfinished business, though, the student loan debt relief, you're leaving before that's solved. Yeah. Uh, that was important. No, it's important. I, uh, you know, the president's proposal was uh, left intact in this yeah. deal, which is really important in terms of debt relief. But the, I have a particular bill that you and I have spoken about that would redesign the way higher education is financed by uh, mirroring what they do in Australia, and that is allowing yeah. people to repay a loan interest-free over a 25-year period. Really good model. Um, Dan Goldman is going to take that over. All my major priorities, mm-hmm. I've made certain that they have a champion uh, to reintroduce them and lead them, and that particular bill will be led by Dan Goldman of New okay. York. Okay, busting up uh, the big uh, uh, tech and social media uh, operatives, Facebook, Instagram, you're going after them, Yeah. and that's unfinished business. Yeah, we, um, as you know, we did a 16-month investigation, wrote a 450-page report, again, bipartisan. Mm-hmm. We introduced five pieces of legislation, all bipartisan. We passed them out of the House Judiciary Committee. We only got two to the floor, but they got to the president's desk. So there's three that remain. But I think really importantly, we have awakened the Congress to their responsibility about antitrust again. Um, There's no doubt in my mind that we will pass the other three bills. And I think we'll even do more now with the advent of AI. But, you know, before I took that role, uh, antitrust was sort of dormant. Nobody was doing it. But I think Congress understands now the danger of not 
promoting good competition policy and reining in big tech, and we've made some progress, but that's going to be ongoing work. You don't like the way they do business. You've made that clear. And you know what? From Elon Musk, we found out how they do business, that they were in the pocket uh, with the FBI and your party. Yeah. How much well, of that were you, were you no, aware well, of, and how much are you surprised Yeah. By? No, look, the, the reality is this is the business model that these companies use that basically relentlessly collect data. Mm -hmm. Their business model is engagement. The more engagement they have, the more advertising revenues go up. It turns out the things that they amplify are things that have the most engagement, the most toxic, the most untrue, sometimes the most violent disinformation. So they have a business model that incentivizes them to amplify the worst content because that's where they make the most money. And the idea that they're ever going to regulate themselves is just is not going to ever happen. So we have got to enact substantial reforms that hold them accountable for the dangers that they create and also limit their ability to just relentlessly take information from okay. individuals out there consent. I, I understand what you're saying, but the, the Twitter files showed us that the FBI had a direct line to Twitter and could call and say, quash this story, uh, take this down, and your party too could do that. Yeah, look, now, the reality is, no, no, the reality is, stay with reality. no, the reality is, any of these platforms where they have essentially a single decision maker, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk, the kind of information that they can collect and the right. fact that they basically manage what Americans receive as information. Two-thirds of Americans get their news yeah. from Google and Facebook. Think about that. And so their decision about what people get to see shape the world that we see. That's why the kind of market power they have and the size that they have is a real problem, which is why we've had a long history of, of, okay. of battling monopolies because concentrated economic power translates into concentrated political power. So more competition, more choices will, will help solve that problem. They killed the New York Post's Hunter Biden laptop story as, on a director from the FBI. That's an, that's an abuse. We're learning this from the Twitter files. Yeah, I, I understand I, what you're saying, but what I'm trying to get out is that how much of this did you know that your party could call up and well, say, Well, I don't think that, there's any that our party could, could call up and do any of that. Well, it I, wasn't did, Republicans killing well, it. Well, but I don't know that there's any evidence that anybody called up to kill anything. All I'm saying is you don't have that problem if these platforms don't have right. the kind of market power they have where they essentially have no competition. Okay, now let's go on to other things. You're, in that uh, political obituary that we're gonna write on you someday, it's gonna say that you were, you, you're okay with the words fierce uh, liberal partisan, and it's gonna mention your role, high profile role in both impeachments. And you're not gonna back down on that. Oh, I'm, I'm expecting you to say I made a mistake or anything no. like that, even though they didn't prevail. Yeah. But let well, me I mean, you didn't prevail. Let's not be, let's not, let me flip about that. In this well, impeachment what, trial that, that I was a flipped? prosecutor, he, well, yeah. in the pr prosecution that I was a prosecutor in the impeachment, the President of the United States was convicted by a clear majority of the United States Senate, the most bipartisan, highest conviction rate of ever in, in any impeachment. Only it didn't reach the two-thirds. But right. a clear majority of the United States Senate found him guilty of inciting a violent insurrection against the government of the United States. You shouldn't lose You're a defense that. attorney. You know that. Only you case I ever get, prosecuted. You have to get enough no, jurors to have a no question about you walk it. out not guilty. No question about okay. it. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, what about the Durham report, though? That's a little different than the impeachments, and that, that's a little different than these other cases. And now the Durham report is showing that the Russia hoax was, in fact, a hoax. Let me play this report from our, from our affiliate, and you tell me your reaction to this. And would you apologize for the president or the former president with regard to calling it a, a Russia collusion? Durham finding significant reliance on investigative leads provided or funded directly or indirectly by Trump's political opponents. The department did not adequately examine or question these materials, 
even when they learned of contradictory intelligence. Some conservative legal experts going much further, bolstering claims it was a well-orchestrated hit job by the Clinton campaign and government officials with a predisposition to investigate Trump, and citing the parade of Trump critics who for years asserted they had hard evidence. That's Scott Thuman with our Sinclair Broadcasting yeah. in Washington. Now, First of uh, all, I, I completely reject Jonathan Turley's characterization. He's a, a strong Trump partisan. I, don't, I, I do not believe that is an accurate assessment of the report at all. I invite him to read the Mueller report that provides significant detail about the relationship between mm -hmm. the Russians and the Trump campaign. So look, uh, Durham, I think, spent millions and millions and millions of dollars, ended up not convicting a single person of wrongdoing, not right. one. So it was a much ado about nothing oh, in my here, view. Well, that's the way you're spinning it. Now, the, no, FBI, I think that's the, fact. the FBI put out a statement immediately saying, yes, uh, that's why we made changes. No pushback from the FBI no, no, look, at if, all. If the FBI made changes, yes, great. That's why but, we made changes. Gene, it's, fine, it's fine for the FBI to make changes. And if they made changes, they should and good yeah. for them. But I don't think we should mischaracterize the Durham report. Durham had the ability to prosecute anyone if he found one bit of evidence of criminal wrongdoing. There was zero, and that's a fact. So he spent a lot of money to pontificate an opinion uh, which produced no results. And I think, look, we all want to be sure that our elections in this country are decided by the American people, not by the Russians or any other foreign government interfering. Mm -hmm. President Trump's own election official said it was the most secure election in history, and he still spun the big lie that he actually won and was stolen from. That's with, a problem. With regard to the Durham report, would you concede the Russia collusion was a hoax? And Not at all. Do you think the president's own apology? I, I for completely that? reject Durham's claim that it was a hoax. I don't think he makes that claim. That's your characterization. I think if you read the Mueller report, there is overwhelming evidence about the, the contacts between the Trump campaign and the Russians in an effort to interfere. By the way, directly led by Vladimir Putin. This was a personal effort by Vladimir Putin to help Donald Trump and undermine the candidacy of Hillary Clinton. Read the Mueller report. It's all in there in the many, many pages with so lots of detail. When Durham said the FBI was acting on information that it didn't vet, information provided by the Hillary Clinton campaign, information that had been run past President Barack Obama. But he doesn't say others, that information was not says, true. He, he said say, the FBI shouldn't have acted on that. No, he never said that those, those facts were untrue. Uh, if there has to be additional vetting or cross-checking, right. and the FBI's made those provisions, great. So, but, the, but the fact of the matter is, Durham found no evidence, despite months and months, years of investigation yeah. and the expenditure of millions and millions of dollars. Not one single person was convicted of any wrongdoing. Okay. That's a fact. All right, we'll hold it there. It's your final interview. Absolutely. So we're not going <laughs> to beat every sentence here. Uh, you have your views and others have theirs. Sure. When we come back, more from Congressman Cicilline and what lies ahead. This campaign has been about one commitment, getting Rhode Islanders back to work and figuring out how we can again invest in rebuilding the infrastructure of this country. I ran for Congress because like so many of you, I believe that Washington is really broken and doesn't understand what's happening to real people in this country. You could have been reelected again easily and has kept that seat as long as you want. Why are you giving it up? Uh, well, first I'd say I am incredibly grateful mm -hmm. to have had the opportunity to serve in Congress uh, representing our state. It has been the greatest honor of my life, and I will always be grateful to the people of Rhode Island for giving me this opportunity. Um, I was presented with the opportunity to lead the Rhode Island mm -hmm. Foundation as its new president and CEO. This is one of America's oldest and largest community foundations that makes investments in ensuring everyone has access to high quality public right. education, 
creating economic opportunities for all Rhode Islanders and making sure folks have access to quality, affordable health care. And as I thought about the opportunities to work at the foundation and lead that work and build upon the work done by my predecessor, uh, it was a, a place that I knew I could have a real impact on the state that I loved. I could see the work that I was doing and the impact it was having on people's lives and get to come home and uh, work in the state that I love. So um, for me, it was, uh, it was really a way to take the 30, almost 30 years of elective office yeah. and take that experience and bring it to bear on uh, the work of the Round Foundation and make an even greater impact on Just the, a quick footnote, when were you presented with that opportunity? Was it before the election? No, it was after the election. It was after the yeah. election. So you're saying they came to me after I won the election. Yeah, I... I it I, wasn't I, anywhere in the peripheral, no, any, and, no and, phone calls? And I, and I, you know, when I was, you know, when I first began to right. think about it, my first reaction was, no, I, I have a job that I love. The more I thought and learned about the work of the Round Foundation and the ability to have such an impact on the life of Rhode Islanders, more excited I so this was after the election. Yes. Okay. Now, with regard to the Rhode Island Foundation, it's become a very political organization. Uh, the legislators up at the state house they have that on speed dial. They asked them to come up with a report on how to spend the COVID money. Uh, in fact, they asked Neil Steinberg, who would be your predecessor in a couple of days here. Uh, he was the guy who made the phone call down to Florida to buy a bus for the homeless on behalf of the governor. Play this, uh, and then we'll listen to this. I mean, is this really the role of the Rhode Island Foundation? The day before Thanksgiving, we get a phone call from Neil Steinberg out of the Rhode Island Foundation, and he said that the governor made an announcement to house 500 people that were currently homeless in the state of Rhode Island by Thanksgiving. And mind you, this was the day before Thanksgiving, and wants us to go through the route of building them a bus. Is this the role of the Rhode yeah, Island look, Foundation the, to buy a bus yeah, on behalf of the, the state? Rhode Island but I have a few other examples. Yeah, the Rhode Island Foundation has... Uh, is the largest funder of nonprofits in our state. Right. It's the Rhode Island Statewide Community Foundation, and its responsibility is to address the needs of Rhode Islanders in whatever way we can. We have identified, or the foundation has identified, three specific areas um, of focus, those strategic initiatives, mm -hmm. but they also do work in housing and uh, the arts and a number of other areas. And one of the responsibilities of the foundation is to both do long-term investments that address the long-term issues of a, of a community, right. but also to address the immediate, you know, the stuff happening right outside their door, the hunger, the homelessness. Yeah. So that's absolutely a role of the Round Foundation. It's an appropriate role. The decisions about the priorities of the General Assembly and their budget will, of course, remain with elected officials. Yeah. But the foundation is an important partner in that and an important convener. For example, it brings together people when the issue of housing uh, surfaced. They yep. said, we'll bring together the best experts in the country to help develop a plan for Rhode Island. When we talked about the life sciences, uh, biotech, it can bring together resources to put together plans. Then it's the responsibility of the elected officials to execute those plans. You, you make, that makes my point. Uh, the governor is so comfortable that he would call up Neil Steinberg and say, why don't you go buy the bus? And uh, on behalf of the state, you buy the bus and the state would cover it. And Neil did. He made the initial well, but, call. But just, I, I don't want to get hung up right, on this. No, but no, my no. point is that the Rhode Island Foundation has become very, very comfortable no, with the politicians I, at the I state would house. say two things. I, don't, I would not suggest that, that uh, the governor directs Neil Steinberg to do anything. Neil Steinberg, as the president and CEO of the Rhode Island Foundation, will make a judgment as to whether or not an investment makes sense based on its priorities. This, this was state tax dollars. He was buying the bus on behalf of the state. No, 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 no. He there, put the order in. But what I'm saying is the Rhode Island Foundation yeah. has a certain set of priorities, and the president and CEO will make a judgment as to whether or not that's an appropriate priority okay. and appropriate investment. It is very important for community foundations to work closely with state, local, and federal governments uh, so that their work is aligned. But it is not, the, yeah. they are not 
the government officials, they are not political. They are explicitly not political right. and not partisan, which is why my political activity will end when I uh, assume my responsibility. Well, there was some very concerned that you're, you're a political person. Absolutely. You're taking over the Rhode Island Foundation, and, and if it's political now, it may get more political. But hold no, on, I'm going to let, let me just say to you that. It's very important to me that, that your viewers understand. I recognize that I'm going to an explicitly nonpartisan organization. And as much as I've loved being a partisan yeah. brawler for the last 20 years, those days are over. I now work with stakeholders across the political spectrum, okay. donors across the spectrum, and I must establish very early in my presidency at the Rhode Island Foundation that I understand the difference. All right. Did you know that the Rhode Island Foundation gave a substantial grant to the Rhode Island court system to fund a diversity training program? I was unaware that a nonprofit could give money to the court system because it, wanted, it thought it was important that they study diversity. Isn't that a conflict of interest? Judge Flanders told me it was a conflict of interest, and he used to be on the U.S. on the Rhode Island Supreme Court. Play that for me before we go. This is Judge Flanders on this grant money that went from the Rhode Island Foundation to the courts. Yeah, I think it's troublesome because obviously it raises the question of whether such grants will skew justice and curry favor with the court system. Yeah, it's I, happening. <laughs> I think Judge Flanders is completely wrong with all well, due respect. All right. I think it's a perfectly appropriate function for the Rhode Island Foundation to help institutions uh, focus on issues of diversity and inclusion. That's a perfectly appropriate role for a community okay. foundation, and there's absolutely no conflict. I wish we had more time. We could go on for hours. Yeah. You can have me back. I, I will have you back <laughs> because you're... This is a report that you put out. Uh, let me sh hold it up to the camera. There we go. It lists all your accomplishments and what you believe are important. Where would you like people to go to read this? They're going to get, if you get my email newsletter, it'll be, you'll get it today on email. If you go to Cicilline, right. uh, gov, we'll send it to you if you don't have it. Congratulations on your career. Thanks for coming in. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Gene. Thank Great you.